0: Uh, like Stephen did so nicely say, I am Chris Wegman. I'm the youth pastor here, and it is an honor. This is going to be cool. It's an honor to preach to you guys this morning. I will say that I've never been up this morning, this early on a Sunday yet. So, I mean, man, y'all are like the frozen chosen of the church, really, because you wake up this early. But um, it's, it's going to be cool. So let, let's just dive in. Second John is where we're going to be today in verses 4 through 11. We're going to be sitting in there, but first, before I do that... <coughs> I want to preface this sermon with, with the statement. The statement is, is that I am no different than you guys. Any pastor that comes up here and preach to you guys is absolutely no different. The only difference is, is that this is our job. So what I am is I am simply, in every, in every the basic of my life is I am a sinner saved by grace. I, I am nothing compared to a holy God and a perfect God. And so as I'm reading 2 John and as we're reading it together, I want us to focus in on the words we and us. Instead of you guys need to change, and you guys need to change, because God is talking to me and He's talking to all of us, okay? So let's read verses four through eleven in Second John. It says this says I was very glad to find some of your children walking in the truth, in keeping with the command we have received from the Father. So now I urge you, dear lady, not as if I were writing you a new command, but one we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. And this is love. That we walk according to his commands. This is, the be- this is the command as you have heard it from the beginning. You must walk in love. Many deceivers have gone out into the world. They do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. This is the deceiver and the antichrist. Watch yourselves so you don't lose what we have worked for, but that you may receive a full reward. Anyone who does not remain in Christ's teachings but goes beyond it does not have God. But the one who remains in that teaching, this one has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your home and don't say, welcome to him, for the one who says welcome to him shares in his evil works. Let's pray. God, you are so much bigger than me. You're so much bigger than this church, and I pray that this morning that we would understand that. We would look you straight in the face, straight in your glorious face because of that, the fact that we've been changed, and we would open up our hearts, open up our minds, and that you would use my... Silly human words to, to make something beautiful out of this and that you would change lives in this room You would break hearts. You would break all the temptations and the walls that we have in our hearts and That you would be glorified Thank you so much. In Jesus going I pray amen. I am 22 years old Okay, so I'm a young gun Some are like he's really really cool looking. I am I have a beard So that kind of works for that, but I'm 22 years old. I'm not I'm not married So I'm single marital status I have a girlfriend, but I live with three other guys so, prayer request already in the first five minutes of the sermon. I live with three other guys. It means we have a lot of food going through our house that doesn't usually get picked up. It's kind of a mess all the time. It's literally all the time a mess. But what I learned is when I got out of college, I needed to go shopping, grocery shopping. And I'm not good at it at all. My dad is severely OCD, and he's going to be here this morning in the third service, and he's just going to shake his head and be like, Chris, I taught you for 18 years, and you didn't do it. But what he does, he takes a list about yay long. And he just, he knocks it out. Me, I go in there willy-nilly, and I just try to pick out everything I want. And so what happens if I, is, is I get stuff that I don't need. And so when I go down the cake aisle, I'm like, I got to get that cake. So I get the cake, and then I bring home the cake. I first pay for it, because that's what you do. You pay for the cake, you bring it home. I put the cake in the refrigerator, and then I don't eat it for two months. It doesn't make any sense. So what I do is when I'm, I really get tired of my mess, I go and clean out the refrigerator, and that cake is still there. And I'm like, man, I wish I would have ate the cake, but what is it now? It's pretty colors. It has some green, has some blues, and it was usually a chocolate cake, and it's really gross, right? This is just waking all up this morning. But in the same sense, I mean, when I look at that cake, it's untasteful, it's not of use to me anymore, it's, it's downright disgusting, I don't want that. In the same sense, the truth of the gospel is this, is that God looked down upon us before Christ, and he saw our sin, he saw everything bad in our lives, and he's saying, this can't work. Because God is so perfect and He is so holy and so majestic and so beautiful, and we are not at all, He needed to make something happen. And so He did. And the beauty of the gospel is that He sent His Son, Jesus, into our hearts. So no longer does He look at Chris Wegman and see me. He looks at me and sees His Son. He sees His Son, Jesus, and He can use that. He He can work with that. And in the same way, what we have to fix our eyes upon this morning is our world. Because you don't have to be a rocket scientist to know that it is fallen. It's getting worse and worse. Actually my Bible and your Bible preaches that it's not going to get any better. It's going to continue falling. And you don't have to be a rocket scientist, and I like to say that you don't have to be a youth pastor to understand, come on, you gotta laugh, okay, that was funny, it was actually, yeah, I Google searched it, funny jokes. Anyways, I marked that off for second service. <laughs> don't, don't, don't do that. Um, We have to know that our world is so so far off. It's so far off. Everything, because sinners are without Christ and they can think that they can do things by themselves, it has changed businesses, it's changed the TV world, it's changed the movies, it's changed sports teams into being this sinful stuff. And everything that we are filled with, I work with youth. and their minds, some of them, as their middle schoolers, are so not molded yet. And they are so busy looking at the world and saying, hey, that's cool. Hey, that's not cool. And so all the time, I'm so afraid because this world is throwing it at their faces like never before. And my kids, my future kids are going to be even worse off than we are now. And so what does that respond? When I, when I look at the world, I'm saying, what in the world are we doing? Why do why is this happening? Why is it okay for unborn babies to be murdered and that to be not called murder? Why is it okay for the school systems to take out prayer? Why is it okay for this to happen? Why is it okay for this to happen? What in the world are we thinking? And I think about the Christians, the people who have God's word. And I'm looking at us, and I'm looking at me, and I'm saying, what in the world? We have everything we need to be a powerful force in this world, and yet we are fallen. We we are sitting back, uh, afraid to be stained with the sin, don't want to get too close to everything and stay in our little holy bubbles, that this world is continually falling, continually falling. This first question, what in the world are we doing? It brings me up to a story. My, ba- my parents are going to be here, so it's going to be really cool looking at my dad. Okay, so I was a kid, 10 years old, in a house. I was throwing up a ball because I just, you know, I'd kick it and it would hit like a window. And My dad's like, really? I had this bat, That I would throw and it made holes in the walls all the time. It was a bat that I threw. It didn't make any sense. But I was doing that and I hit off a a window thing. I just like janked it off. Okay, so it's on the floor and my parents are coming home in 10 minutes. I'm saying, junk. (laughs) I got to do something about this. So my little 10-year-old pea brain thought taking this, opening up the front door and chunking it out of the front door into the woods would be smart. Okay, so my dad comes home severely OCD. He's like, hey, Chris, I noticed this is broken. You were the only one home, and your sister wouldn't do this. Why on earth is this missing? And, and so long story short, he asked me where it was, and I said, well, I thought it'd be smart to throw it across the road. And he, in his face, he's like, why would that be smart? Literally, that makes no sense. I want us to kind of understand that same thought this morning. What in the world has this world come to? That it is utterly against the Bible for what we are doing. Not we as in Christians, but this world is so fallen that we have to be responding to this. And the second point I want to make is, instead of what in the world are we doing as a question, I want to talk to you guys. What in the world are we doing? What in the world is the church doing about it? Because since the world is so fallen, and it is in our faces 24-7 every day of our lives, you go to your jobs. I work at a church, and I see it still. I went to a Christian college, and it was as fallen as a public college. Everything is in our faces, so so what? What do we do now? And that's where 2 John comes in. And this is a letter from John to the church saying, hey, hey, There's a lot of sin out there, and you have no time to be lackadaisical about it. You cannot be lazy about this faith. You have to be diligent. You have to be active. You have to go all-out war. So let's read in verse 4. Let's take this verse by verse, because my words are not as good as John's. Uh, It says, I was very glad to find some of your children walking in the truth, in keeping with the command we have received from the Father. Three ways this morning that we can make a positive difference in the world. The first one is to walk in the truth. It's to walk in the truth. And so, John starts out, saying, hey, high fives around, y'all are doing great. Fancy, I, this is great, awesome. I'm so proud of you guys. This is really, really good. And he says, why? Why is he proud of him? Because he's walking in the truth. As a child, whenever I was walking, and as we were supposed to be children in, the, in our faith with God, as a child, I would walk close to my dad. And close to my mom because why I would fall because I was just learning my legs were wobbly and so once I fell I knew that my parents would pick me up in the same way this church obviously was doing that they were walking in the truth and the truth of the gospel is this is that you have a tongue that can either burn a forest with fire or it can change lives every word you have the opportunity to say has the opportunity to change someone's eternity so what do you have to do? You have to guard it. Yes, you have to guard it. And that's what we come to church for. We learn how to guard our tongue. But what do we do outside the church? We use the tongue. So our, this morning, are you guarding it? Fantastic. Are you a Christian? That's so, so great. I'll high-five you after. Did, it would take a long time to do it now. We'll, we'll, we'll hug. It's awesome. But God is wanting more. And John is wanting more because in the next verse, in the next verse, he goes right on to. He could have just left us and said, Party on, boys. This is great. This is so cool. No, no, no. What does he say in verse 5? He says, so now I urge you. I urge you. So you're doing great, but now I urge you, dear lady. And that is is a, a word speaking to us as the church, as the bride of Christ, as something that Christ died for. So dear lady, so now I urge you, dear lady, not as if I were, let me get my point, not as if I were writing you a new command, but one we have had from the beginning, that we love one another. The second way we can make a positive difference in our world is to love one another. Let me read verses 5 and 6 again, and you're going to see three times where it tells us to love. So now I urge you, dear lady, not as if I were writing you a new command, but the one we have had from the very beginning, that we love one another once. And this is love, too, that we walk, there's that walk word again, that we walk according to his commands, this is the command, as you have heard it from the beginning. You must walk again in love. Very, very simply, John is telling his church to love one another. As a group, we have a special opportunity. I know that we are split up in services, but you see other people in our church, and hopefully you come to, to Bible Fellowship and you get involved. And as a church, as First Baptist Church of Leesburg, we, only, we do not only have potential, we have a command to do something about this world. Since we know that it's not gonna get any better, d- does that mean we just take away, we slide away, and we we'll just let it fall? Absolutely not. What's the first, second way? First way is to walk in truth, second way is to love one another as a church. As a church, we should be together on everything. We should love one another more, more so than ourselves because together we can do so much more than by ourselves. You throw me out in the Philippines, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be picked off like a bird, what? That didn't make sense. Like, like a little bug and the bird picks off. Uh, I got sen- to make sure I make sense, guys. Come on. Is, like a bird. What would pick off a bird? I don't even know. A uh, dinosaur. I don't know. Anyways, uh, but will you put me as a team with you guys? Oh, Cuba? Oh, 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 they're going to kill it. They're going to kill it because they're a team. Kill it is a good version. Uh, kill it, they're going to be awesome because we're a team. So to love one another. When we go through this life by ourselves, it doesn't make sense. It utterly doesn't make sense. We weren't created to do it by ourselves at all. And so when I try to, what do I do? I completely fall on my face every single time. I'm saying, hey, I'm good. I don't need any of friends. I don't need anybody around me. And I'm falling on my face. Hey, I'm good. I don't need God because my life is awesome. It's balling right now. That's, how, that's what we say in the youth group. We say balling. Okay, so I'm, I'm teaching all terminology I, I, y'all are so cool. I, I'm having fun. Um, so we must love one another. And the third way, let's just move on. The third way uh, that we make a positive difference is the anticipation. Do not be deceived. Do not be deceived. And this is the last point, but I promise you, I got a lot more. <laughs> so I, I didn't do it as Cliff does. So you can put it in Bibles or whatever. You could just stay with me. Stick with me. Do not be deceived. He moves on in verse 7 to say this. It says, Many deceivers have gone out into the world. They do not confess the coming of Jesus Christ in the flesh. This is the deceiver and the Antichrist. Don't get too caught up in the Antichrist. We're like, okay, whoa, we have to study it millions of times. Just, just, just move on. It says, uh, This deceiver and the Antichrist, Watch yourselves so you don't lose what we have worked for, but that you may receive a full reward. Anyone who does not remain in Christ's teachings but goes beyond it does not have God. The one who remains in that teaching, this one has both the Father and the Son. What we learn here is very, very, very important. It is dangerous for us to become complacent. Since this world is gonna get worse and worse, and since you know we just can't, you can't say that enough, that should cause us to be diligent. And what it has done, it has caused the church, and I'm not saying this church because we're awesome, but I am saying this church because we're awesome and we have potential to be amazing is that we've become complacent because we think that we can't do anything. And I love in verse, uh, I think it says in verse 9, it says, uh, he calls us to be bold because what? We have the Father and the Son. What more do we need? Are are you kidding me? Me by myself, by my lonesome, just fleeting, futile, ain't going to work. It's not what God's will is. But us together as the church we come here to learn, we come here to study, we come here to strengthen each other and be nice for crying out loud to each other and worship with each other. We are called to do bigger and better things than just come to church. That is, <laughs> hopefully we understand that because this world, they're not coming to church. So what does that mean? We have to go to them. And you're saying, oh, I can't get stained. Chris, hey, hey, you don't know my friends, okay? It's, it's my calling to be as holy as possible. Absolutely. Fantastic. Hey, high fives on that. But if they're not coming to church, you need to go to them. That's our call. And in in the last chapter of Matthew, he says that. He says, go and make disciples. It's not wait till they come to your church or invite them to church. Go and make disciples. But do not be deceived. And John is is very wise in this book by saying that. He's saying, hey, uh, we need to walk in the truth and love one another. But at the same time, There are so many people waiting for us to fall. You know, the one person group that is getting made fun of the most and it is okay is Christians. But then the one person group that we can't say a thing about anybody else is Christians. Why? Why is that? Because we're doing something right. We're we're making some people angry. They don't understand that this God is real and that we actually have eternal life. There are so many deceivers waiting to eat us alive, and if you are not ready and you are not willing with the word of God at your lips, it says in Psalms, on the lips, every time you talk, every time you speak, or you act, or you walk, it should be the gospel of Jesus Christ in their lives, in our lives, and in everybody's lives. It to change the way we live. It's to change the way we talk. It's to change everything. So as we close today, let's just look at this part. In verse 10 and 11, he closes it by saying this. He said, if anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, do not receive him into your home, and don't say welcome to him. For the one who says welcome to him shares in his evil works. Here's what I want us to understand this morning. Very simply put, we still need him in everything, in absolutely everything, Okay, first point I made. What in the world are we doing? This world is so fallen. What does that mean? Where should we turn? To Facebook and talk about it? Or to our friends and gossip about it? No. That's going to help a lot, right? We should turn to God. Why? Because we need Him. We desperately need Him. Whenever I became a youth pastor, I'm going to be honest, I thought I hit the big time. Because this is my dream job, and I was like, eh, I'm making so much money. I'm not. But I, you know, as a college guy, I'm like, what? as a single college guy, I'm I'm killing it. So, But I thought I made it. I thought I hit the big time and I'm done. And God is like, are you kidding me? Who do you think you are? So he he brought me here, and it just whooped my rear end into action. Why? Because we need him so desperately with everything that we have, everything that we strive for should be about him. So what in the world are we doing? We need him, okay? And then the second point that I made, What are we doing about the fact that the world is being in a desperate place? You try to go out and do ministry by yourself, you're going to fall. Not because because of no other reason, but God is a jealous God, and he deserves everything from us, and he wants to help us. And so when we try to do things by ourselves, it utterly doesn't, it's not in the will of God. It doesn't make sense. It's against everything this Bible teaches. So what? We need him. The first point in the three little bullet points I made, walk in the truth. What is the truth? The gospel. We need him. The second point, love one another. I have tried to love people without God. and It ain't going to work because people are dumb. Sometimes they're mean to me, and I'm like, ah, I don't need you. But when I turn it over to God, I can love people who don't love me. I can love people who are so unlovable and they smell weird. I can do that because we desperately Desperately, we need to desire him. We need him for everything. And the last point, do not be deceived. The only way to do that is to make sure that every morning you wake up and you say, I need him. I need him. So this morning, this is preaching to me. This is preaching to you guys. This is preaching to the church of First Baptist and hopefully to the church of Florida, to Lake County, and to the world. Is that this world is not getting any better. And yes, this is a call of action you've probably heard of 100 million times, but when is it going to stick? When is it going to change your life? Because when I gave into this whole God thing and this whole Christianity thing, I instantaneously said yes to working at it, to running the race as it says in Hebrews. And not me trying by myself because Isaiah 64 6 says that is like filthy rags. That doesn't make any sense. God's not looking for Chris Wegman's good works. He's looking for his son's good works through me. And I'm so glad that that is true because my works are so futile and they're so not good. So this morning, I want to challenge you guys with that. Where are you at in your walk? Maybe, maybe, maybe you're in this room and you have finally realized that you actually need him. That you haven't given your desires to him, you haven't given your wants and your, and your temptations to him, and you're good and you're bad to him. And maybe you need him for the first time this morning. Or maybe you have needed him for a long time and you've used him and, and, and he's been an amazing person, an amazing God in your life. Maybe you've just fallen away a little bit. I don't know what it is, but I do know that coming and talking to us is awesome, but oh my goodness, you have the opportunity right at your seat to literally just picture this with me, please. Literally communicate with the creator of the universe. Like <laughs> to for some reason, since he has changed my life, I am I have the privilege to say anything to God. I have the privilege to look at his face and worship him like we just did, I have the privilege of opening up this Bible, and preaching to the coolest people in the world, why, because I'm special, no, no, he is special, and what's cool about it, is that he has made us righteous, he has made us special, he has made us willing with the father and the son, to do something about it, so this morning, what in the world are you doing, not in a negative connotation, I'm just asking, what are you doing in your jobs? What are you doing in your families? What are you doing in your friendships? Are you doing things to be diligent towards the goal? And what is the goal? To have First Baptist Leesburg filled up the, the, all these people here? Eh, kind of. And that's, that's fleeting. That's futile. We want people saved. We want people saved in all denominations. We want people saved in all churches across Lake County, Florida, United States, America. It takes us. This is not talking to non-Christians. This is talking to me and you and John is saying, hey, you walk in the truth, you love one another, and you, you watch out for deceivers, you're doing pretty good. Let's pray. God, thank you so much uh, for your love, for your grace, for the, for the fact that we get to come and, and freely, without persecution, worship you. And I pray that this morning, if anybody needs to make a decision, uh, that they would not waste any more time if that decision is salvation, fantastic. If that decision is being more diligent, awesome. God, you are so much bigger than us. You're so much better in every way humanly possible. I thank you so much. And just let I pray. Amen. We're going to have a time.